Every single one of us are born with a deep void in our hearts. This void can only be filled by God. That's how deep and how large this void is. Many try to fill it with money, with power, with fame, with relationships, and so on, but it cannot be filled by those things. This is one of the ways that we can tell that we are created beings. As the created beings we are, we need the Creator to be complete. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the personal invitation that Jesus makes to follow Him. Sin will never allow us to become what we were designed to become, and we're all sinners. But the good news is that God wants to have a personal and intimate relationship with us. And His goal is not only to save us, but to restore us to the original purpose of our existence, to help us realize our utmost potential. That is what Christ came to do on the cross, to break our sin cycle and to regenerate us through the power of the Holy Spirit so we can form part of His kingdom and eternity. Today's message is inspired on John chapter 21, verses 15 to 25. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, Lord God. Your will be done on earth, O Lord, as it is done in heaven. Blessed are you, O Lord God, creator of heaven and earth. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you, O Lord, for the salvation that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you are truly good and merciful in every kind of way. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray for your mercy and for your grace, for your continued forgiveness. I pray, O Lord, that you always please remember us in your mercy. Lord, we are nothing without you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord, that your word may just come into our hearts deeply, Lord God. Help us to understand the reason for why we exist and what you would like to do with us. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that you have all kinds of good intentions with us and that we just need to listen and to be open to you. Blessed are you, O Lord, forever and ever, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 25. This is the word of the Lord. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, 
who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the word itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. What does God want from us? What is he ultimately after? He wants for us to follow him, but he wants for the reason to be love. God is after our heart. That is God's main focus. That's what he desires. God has everything in the universe. There's nothing that he does not have, but his desire is for his creation, for man to seek him and to want to be with him because we have learned to love him, to appreciate him for who he is and for what he does. We cannot put this any simpler. And everything that happens in this life is for us to realize that we need him. This is probably one of the main problems that people have, that they seek to fill the void with superficial things or getting their physical and or temporary needs met without realizing that they need God in their lives and that everything else can be taken care of. Every single one of us are born with a deep void in our hearts. And this void can only be filled by God. That's how deep and how large this void is. Many try to fill it with money, with power, with fame, with relationships, and so on, but it cannot be filled by those things. This is one of the ways that we can tell that we are created beings. As the created beings we are, we need the Creator to be complete. God made us for Him, and that's the reason for our existence. He didn't really make us for anything else. God made other things also, and He has allowed for those other things to exist because they are supposed to serve Him as well. Nothing created can even come close to achieving its completeness, if you will, until it becomes one with the Creator. Blaise Pascal put it like this, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And if we put things together, we can come to the realization that we will only be complete if we love Him. That is how God made everything to work, especially between Him and man. It cannot work any other way because it must follow the design. That is our design explained to a perfection. Anything else is wrong. We can't follow the Lord because of duty or tradition or because of religious practices or even trying to be good. The foundation, the reason, the why must be loved because again, that is how God intended. That's how we were designed. Man is not an accident, just like the universe is not an accident. You and I, our existence, is not some sort of cosmic anomaly as much as the devil through so-called science would have us believe. I say so-called science because pure science within itself is not bad. Science is just an explanation for why things are. The problem with the direction science has gone recently is that many people have tried to deviate science to prove that God does not exist. Many scientists like Blaise Pascal and so many others believed in God, in Christ, and used science for good. They came to the realization that God is who he is in part through science, by observing the things that exist and seeing God through them. That is why science, or rather the observation of the universe, should be able to take a rational human being to realize that there is a God, 
that there is a design and that the incredible order of things declares that there is a super intelligent being, God, that is behind all of it. The Bible puts it in this manner in the book of Romans. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Everything in the universe, the visible and invisible things, reveal God's greatness. There is a God, an almighty God, a creator of heaven and earth, and everything in it who desires to have a personal and intimate relationship with every single person. And man's fall and destruction is brought about when they refuse to seek after God, when they defy the very reason of their existence. This is the problem. Many times people think that sin is like killing someone or robbing a bank or things like that. But sin, in fact, can be defined literally as missing the mark. Sin is about not being exact or precise. The precision that is required for us to achieve perfection is to love God, to seek after Him, to follow Him, to fulfill the reason for our existence through Jesus Christ. That is why the Lord summed it up in this manner, which should make things as simple as possible for us. In the Gospel of Mark, it says, Jesus answered him. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And in Matthew, it says it like this. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's the design. This is perfection. This needs to be the foundation for everything in our lives. When we come to Christ fully repented from all of our sins, willing to turn away from them and accept Jesus as the Lord of our lives, that is how we get in line, if you will, with God. That is how we start to do what truly pleases God, making ourselves ready for our purpose, for the reason for our existence. Salvation through Christ is all about bringing mankind back to our original intended design. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the reason for why Christ died on the cross for us. And this is what we see in Peter's life in today's key passage reading. The Lord is restoring Peter's life. He is reaffirming in him his purpose. And he is making sure that Peter is now ready to follow him and to do his will, but for all of the right reasons. The Lord wanted to bring back Peter through a renewed, faith-filled experience, not to be led by emotion and or somewhat superficial ideas. How can we see that Peter was not necessarily led by love and a well-founded faith before the resurrection? Although Peter and the others had followed the Lord before being resurrected, they were not completely convinced of everything yet. We need to remember that Jesus told them everything that was going to happen to them and that he would even be raised from the dead. But they all fled when the time came to face the very situations Jesus had told them that would happen. They all left Jesus alone. But when they saw Jesus resurrected and very much alive after being raised from the dead, then they became completely convinced on who the Lord really was and is and that he even had the power over death and hell. 
They came to believe in the Lord through and through. No more doubts, no more ideas founded on earthly goals. They understood greater things and the purpose for why they were really called to follow him. Is our situation different than that of the disciples? No. And here is where a whole new world opens up for us. God intends to do great things in our lives, things that we could never imagine, things that will ultimately impact eternity, our eternity, and other people's eternities. But we must learn to love Him and follow Him. We must come to that same faith that so many others before us came to, like Abraham, like Moses, like David, like the prophets, like the disciples, and so on. Each one of us, you and me, can form part of God's eternal kingdom and purpose. You and I can come to have the eternal life and eternal rewards that God has for those that love Him. And here we come back to the point of loving God. Love and faith are the cornerstone for everything that has to do with the Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, known as, as the chapter of love, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove the mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. The Apostle Paul also wrote in chapter 16 of the same book, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. So you see, everything is centered on love. There is no salvation without loving the Lord. A person cannot come to the fullness of their eternal purpose in their life without love for God. God is laser-focused in that we learn to love Him, to be fair with Him, because He loves us. It's all about love. For it is also written in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it is also written in 1 John chapter 4, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We need to think about what was done for us unmeritedly, all out of God's grace and mercy. When we come to learn to love the Lord, we are only learning to be fair with Him. It's only fair to love Him above all things. It's only fair to appreciate all of the things He has done for us. It's even fair to give up our lives to Him and for Him, because that is what Jesus Christ did for us, so that we could be saved, so that we could be rescued from eternal death and destruction from hell itself. Our destiny without Christ was hell. That's the reward for our sins. That's what we have earned for ourselves by sinning against the Lord, against others, and including ourselves. But instead of that being our destiny, Jesus Christ broke that destiny at the cross when he shed his blood for all humanity so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The ultimate goal of faith is love. In order for our faith to be real in the Lord, we must come to the point of loving Him, to love Him above all things and with everything we are, to love Him with all of our heart, 
our soul, our mind, and our strength. Loving the Lord is the key to all things great and eternal. Now, what else can we glean from this passage? We see very clearly that our relationship with the Lord is a very personal one. We're not supposed to worry very much about what other people do. We're supposed to be more concerned about what we do, our actions. Sometimes we focus too much on other people. We think more about the wrong other people are doing or what happens with other people when our concern should be more about what God sees us doing. When Peter asked Jesus about John and said, what about this man? Jesus quite clearly just tells him, what is that to you? Follow me. Don't worry about what other people do or what happens to other people. When we stand judgment before the Lord, God is not going to ask us about what so-and-so did or didn't do. He is going to be concerned about what we did individually. And all I can tell you is that when we stand before the Lord, before that great and eternal throne, before an incomprehensible majesty, I am very sure we are not going to be worried much about anyone else. This is why the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul told us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so it is very clear when it says that we must all appear meaning no exceptions. We need to remember that this letter is written to believers and that Paul is even including himself and that it also says that we will receive things done in the body, whether good or bad. Some people think that when believers get to heaven that their judgment is only concerning about the distribution of rewards, but that is not the case. God is really going to shuffle through what is really and truly His and what is not. Even in grace, there is an incredible precision we must attain through Jesus Christ and that is to try as best as possible to do the Father's will in our lives. That's why this relationship with Christ is not about being religious or doing religious things or even about morality per se. It's about truly focusing on what God wants us to do as we are guided through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For it is written, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That is why it is imperative. It is an essential. It is a requirement to be completely and fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so we are effectively able to do the Father's will. That is the way the Holy Spirit can guide us and empower us to do what we need to do. And finally, John mentioned at the end of the passage that there are many other things that Jesus did and that if they were written one by one, that he would think that all of these books would not fit in the world itself. What does he mean by that? Ever since the beginning, God has done all kinds of different things in everyone's life. We need to remember that Jesus' existence didn't start when he came to this earth to be born as the God-man, if you will. He has always been. Jesus is God also. He was the word that John started writing about in the same gospel. He has always been just like God the Father. 
And so every single person is a book somewhere. And we all have a story to tell of what God through Jesus Christ has done for us and through us. And these books will reveal, either for our eternal blessing or for judgment, what we did with what God did for us. We need to remember that God makes the sun shine on the righteous and the wicked. He makes it rain on the just and the unjust. He gives each and every person innumerable opportunities to seek Him every day since the moment we wake up in the morning. For it is also written, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Every day, every moment, Jesus does miracles in our lives, whether we want to acknowledge them or not, whether we are willing to perceive them or not. Every breath we take, every time our hearts beat, a miracle is performed. God allows us to exist out of his own free will. And just think about all of the other things God does at every moment that we cannot even fathom because they are too great. But the most important is when God gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins, for our wrongs, so that if we surrender our lives to him, we could have the opportunity for eternal life. He changed the course of our existence from a destiny that was hell-bound to a life in eternity. He changed everything and gave us true freedom to be able to attain that which was impossible for us to have. We can go on and on and on about what God does day in and day out for every single person. John is right in that the books would not fit in this world with all of the things that Jesus has done and continues to do for all of us, for all eternity. I guess the big question in all of this is, have you made a decision to acknowledge what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, starting with the cross? This is the beginning and the most significant. When we come to realize what God has truly done for us, we should be touched to the point of not just following Him, but loving Him for all of the things He has done for us. Our natural response to everything God has done for us through Jesus Christ should be surrender and love and to grow in those things infinitely. When we look at the relationship that Jesus cultivated with His disciples like Peter and John, those are examples of the type of relationship he would like to have with every single person, with you and me. All of the things of the Bible, especially its promises, can all be applicable to us through Jesus Christ. When we were without Christ, we were completely apart from all of that, completely separated from God. And as Gentiles, as non-believing people that were not part of the pure blood lineage of Israel, we were even farther away. But God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, has brought us within reach of everything He had for His people. God, through the Lord, has made one people. We were added through the Lord, for it is written, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself 
one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God has been truly good with us. We were ultimately His enemies, but now through Christ we have been reconciled. God makes a personal and intimate call to every person to come to follow Him like He did with Peter. If you have yet to answer His loving call, His reaching out to you, I would urge you to respond to Him, to His love. God loves you. God wants to give you eternal life, eternal reward. He wants to make you part of His work, part of His eternal kingdom. Everything in your life can change for all eternity if you repent and convert from all your sins and believe and accept Jesus as the Lord of your life. I will not lie to you. Following Jesus is not easy because you will be fighting against Satan and the world which is under his influence and against the very sin that dwells within you. But what God has in store for every person that chooses to follow him, to serve him, ultimately to love him, far outweighs anything Satan and this world can throw at us. And we don't have to fight evil on our own. Christ promised that he would be with us, within us, inside of our hearts. And just like the scriptures say, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, who shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I lovingly challenge you to come follow Christ today. You have everything to gain and nothing of true value to lose. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, blessed are you, O God, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Heavenly Father, thank you because you love us, because you care about us. And Lord God, we are so dear to you that you desire to have an eternal and personal and intimate relationship with each one of us. That is your desire. Lord, you are so good. Heavenly Father, your goodness is that much greater because we are not good. We are sinners. We offend you all of the time. But I give you thanks, O Lord, because we can depend on your mercy and on your grace and on what Jesus did on the cross for us. Heavenly Father, help us to understand 
your personal invitation through Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, to understand that you not only want to save us, but you want us to be a part of your kingdom forever, Lord God, to be a part of your purposes, to be able to do those things that we were designed and made to do, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to fulfill the reason of our existence. Help us, O Lord, to understand that we were made for you. Help us, O Lord, to be fair with you and to learn how to love you above all things. Blessed are you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.